Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody wow hello you know we're about to head into an interview with mark lucas which means a few things one it means you probably have now seen the picture of jenny's hand uh compared ah! <laughs> compared against the size of mark lucas field hand. research <laughs> collecting the data we all desperately need it's been so hard to hold that photo to ourselves to keep that one to ourselves because <laughs> it's such a delight um we are so excited to share this interview with you. And also, you know, we've had such a large nuanced discussion of Riley over the past season and a half. And I saw somebody comment on the internet. Um, the comment that really struck me the most was uh, someone who said, you know, for all of our disagreements, it's been really cool to see that, you know, 20 years later, even even characters like Riley are making us discuss things like what is okay, what mm. isn't okay? How do we look at this? How do we not? Where is it okay to be sensitive? Where is it not? Uh, and I think, Jenny, you know, behind the scenes, you and I had some heated discussions that changed even the way that we were interacting with the storyline of, of Riley over time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I just want to thank all of you for challenging us to make sure that we're always looking at the patriarchy and to, and to so many of you and, and Jenny, you included in this for making sure that we also look at the other side of things and just make sure that we're having a nuanced conversation and not only making things black or white and that is really kind of what Buffy is about. So that's my monologue. That's my TED Talk. Thank you for <laughs> coming to it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple quick, quick, quick news items because I know that everybody wants to get into this episode. Um, first of all, if you missed it, we have a new t-shirt in the store too, actually. One is super limited. It is our Jeopardy t-shirt. It is the answer that showed <laughs> on Jeopardy that has our show as the answer. It is only up through tomorrow. Uh, it was a very limited run, so snag it if you can. Jenny, before this taping, uh, you asked me to get you how many shirts? Four, please. And who are those four shirts for? Mom, dad, stepdad, Jenny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> only if we could get a family photo of the four uh -huh. of you all in your shirts. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. We also have um, up in the store more permanently the incredible It's a Snake, It's a Snake, It's a Great Big Snake t-shirt designed Hooray. by the wonderful Shane Gaillard. So you should go on over there and snag some goodies, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. Speaking of snaggable things, there are only less than 50 tickets left for prom right now. So if you have been on the fence if you've been hemming and then hawing and then wondering to yourself should i shouldn't i the answer is yes and the time is now before mm. they're gone mm -hmm. it's true jenny and i are uh, deep 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 into uh brocade research for our outfits so i'm just saying it's probably going to be a good time all around yeah yeah definitely <laughs> the most brocade heavy prom coming your way <laughs> Uh, this is a special episode, so I am not going to be bringing you spooky news uh, in this intro, but what I will tell you 
is that I have something special for the next few installments of Spooky News. Jenny, have you even seen what I'm doing? I've said it on the internet. I don't know what's going on. I'm so usual. glad. I love the I love the lack of knowledge that you have about things so that I get to tell you live in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I found a story that I wrote when I was 12 years old. It is a horror story. Oh, yes, I, I did. I haven't read it. Good. But Don't read I, it. Don't yeah, read I'm it. Not, I'm not going to. I'm excited Great. for what's going to uh, happen. Yeah, so I'm going to break that out into a few installments to uh, delight some of you with my... I think it's pretty well written. It's actually re-inspired me to think <laughs> perhaps I should uh, write a novel, a spooky news novel, mm. if you will. Uh, yeah, it's called The Tale of Old Man Seaver. Whatever. Stay tuned next week for the first <laughs> installment. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait. But wait, I must. And while I'm waiting, I'll remind you that I've got a Buffering Songs streaming concert coming up on February 22nd for our patrons. Hell are you gonna Are you gonna be practicing any of the songs that you're doing in your live set for prom at that live concert? Oh my gosh! I guess I could do that. I guess that's a great idea. I'll probably <laughs> get in some some wood shedding, as they say. Uh, one last thing. This is a special episode, which means today you also can roll right on over and listen to Angel on Top. Uh, two episodes for the price of one, which is still zero dollars. And next week we come back with the episode for Triangle. And then two weeks after that, we come back with Checkpoint. And I am bringing these two episodes up to you because we have two really special, really fun guests for those episodes. Very special guests. Right? On Triangle, we guest with Trixie Mattel. Oh, my ah! God. Ah! And on Checkpoint, we have Ira Madison III coming back into the universe because Checkpoint is Ira's favorite episode of the series. So we have... Yes. Really exciting things headed your way. Holy crap. Uh, but listen, now you should get pretty excited because you're about to go on a journey with me, Jenny, and Mark Lucas. On a cruise of the Butterscotch River that winds <laughs> its way through the Wonder Bread Forest. Here we go. <laughs> What a time to be alive on this blessed day when we are sharing a studio space at this very moment with none other than Mark. <coughs> <laughs> Who again? Uh, Mr. Uh, King, your majesty, Mark. Oh Lucas. Stop it. You guys are amazing with talent. You do this to every single person here. Um, Mark, we didn't tell you this uh, before we started recording, but Jenny has, we're in season five. So you've been with us now uh, in our buffering journey for a year. Like a season and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a season and a half for quite some time. Um, and Jenny has been talking about her adoration for Riley for a long time. Oh, so our see. listeners are excited to have you talking to us, but they are also <laughs> incredibly excited that the, that the two of you are 
in the same room Well, it's like together. point counterpoint because now I can be like a two man front <laughs> against the army yes, of, yes, of, the what's, of what's in front of us. <laughs> it's usually a lonely battle, but here we are together. Yes. Yes. Welcome Jen- to the past 25 years of my life. <laughs> well, well, we don't have to be linear. We can start there, right? Like, that, like can we just jump in? Sure, to sure. the fact that like you are aware that Riley is an incredibly controversial character. Well, you know, I was prepped by this. And, you know, the day I got the job, I'll never, it's one, you know, look, I feel like this, a lot lot of this interview may be a giant disappointment. (laughs) One (laughs) one personally, because I'm an idiot, but two, it's just like, I'm not up to speed. Like, I, I, you know, like I I don't, I don't really do con, I've done three cons in my life. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone back and lived in the past and rewatched these episodes. I feel like you're going to ask me questions. I'm like, did I say that? that (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, Like, but that said, there are moments that obviously stand out. And I'll never forget, I think it was my first day on work and Joss pulls me aside and he said, listen, do not go online. I'm like, why? And he's like, they are going to fucking hate you. <laughs> wow. He's like, I'm going to do what I can. We're going to position you the right way. But like, and I'll never forget. He said for the first, I, and I forget the number for the first, you know, seven episodes, I need you to be wallpaper. Just sit back and do nothing. I want you to sit in the background and just let the story unfold, give the audience time. And then think, I'm like, Okay. Uh, yeah. Again, not, not, not kind of knowing. And like any good accident on the road, you have to like peek and like look at it. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so like, I think after the first one aired, I did, I'm like a giant mistake. And you know, and I never did again. And I still don't like, I, I, I truly like, obviously we're joking about like how people feel about Riley. And, and I went to, it was after I think 20 years I did my first con. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, I feel like I, I may not get shit thrown at me right now. So maybe <laughs> I can advance. Cause I just, I, I hear that constantly, you know what I mean? And it could be in the cereal section to the grocery store. I don't know, but it has, it has, it is certainly something I know about. And so, uh, well, and, and was Joss's positioning basically because it was like the post angel that like, well, of course people- he's like, there's no, you know, like, look, we're going to, you'll hit a guy, you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll position it as best as we possibly can mm-hmm. that you're going to come in and save her and do all these things mm-hmm. storytelling wise. But, and I hadn't watched the show beforehand. I didn't know. Uh-huh. I, I just started watching it during the audition process. Mm-hmm. And so I, I you know, I, I didn't know of the one, the relationship or two, the fans, you know, commitment to it. And so it's understandable when, but when it's so, Shakespearean and dramatic and big and intense. It's just like there, you, there's nothing you can do after that that's right. going to kind of stand, stand up. Well, yeah. you, because you've been a big part of our discussion and debate over the last, you know, year and a half, we, there are, I mean, Jenny, I keep saying like, Jenny's really defending right. you. Like, Jenny's, really Jenny's your only fan. Throwing myself under <laughs> the bus. You're like, in, in fact, your grandmother signed up the Team Angel. <laughs> yeah. like, this is your grandma, right? I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> well, Jenny just uh, had a conversation with uh, a writer named Emily Nussbaum, who is like a Pulitzer Prize winner uh, television critic, who is also like a massive Riley defender um and so you so have one pillar she's gonna winner. make the christmas <laughs> list too yeah. i'm gonna need your address after this <laughs> i mean maybe jenny you should talk a little bit about some of your defense of riley because i would love to hear your thoughts too about riley's relationship to buffy and things like that i'll do my best <laughs> <laughs> well i like i came into like season four and talking about riley for the first time from the perspective of like you know, Buffy has three main loves over the the course of the show. And um, 
One of them is like a 243-year-old vampire, and one of them is like a 140-year-old vampire. And then and, and both I still of them don't win. And what somehow the fuck? it's like but anyway, all right, go it's ahead. you <laughs> on paper, this sucks. Like <laughs> yeah. you're right now, right now you don't sound like a okay, pro so, Riley person, but so, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> so uh my my stance is Riley like Spike and like Angel, like I think they all have their their flaws and their virtues uh, as individual characters and also as like Buffy love interests. But for some reason, because Riley was sandwiched in between two like supernatural, more I think tortured. Like I feel like there's just like it was just like really Edgy, fertile ground for sexy, right, right, right. right dramatic, yes. super right. dramatic. And Very I feel like dramatic. out of the three of them, Riley is across the board, like objectively, the best boyfriend. He's like constantly um, asking questions, metabolizing new information, doing like everything that he can to support Buffy as she's like continuing to like grow, as he's suffering, I'm sure, the effects of PTSD after like you know, um, finding out that everything he's been believing in and fighting for is a lie, being betrayed by the person that he, like, trust you know, one of the people that he trusted the most, Professor Walsh. He, like, has so much to overcome in the short span of time that we spend with him, and he does so mostly with, like, such, like, grace and, like, compassion, and he just gets shit on by everybody, <laughs> even still. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, cliches about the nice guy not winning. <laughs> I, I think. And, you know, laughably, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Like moms and grandmas love me, you know, like, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, but there is a period of your life, namely high school, college, everything else where let's face it, like you can be attracted to the dark side. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's been a running joke in my marriage now for the 10 years I've been married. <laughs> I'm like, honey, I am dark and mysterious. And she's like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> um, and 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 you kind of know it, but it's just you know it's it's the same thing. Like you know, you you look and you say, okay, well, Tobey Maguire's not going to be cast as Maverick in Top Gun. Like actors carry certain things, and frankly, it's why I got the job. Mm-hmm. I, I was not, I didn't know what I was doing. It was a job before I was ready. I was, hmm. and I'm not. Look, I'm not backpedaling. I'm not looking for like you were amazing. I was not a good actor. I, I had, I was a, I was a. I just got done playing professional basketball. I had a scholarship to law school. I was a business major in college. I had started a company. I, this was this was an accident. And Whoa. I got a job before I was ready. And it's an amazing audition story because, you know, it, it's the classic thing. I, I go in, I get this pre-read, like I, I barely have representation, whatever. I go mm-hmm. in for the first thing. And, you know, Joss's always line line was that I always remember hearing is like, you don't follow a banjo act with a banjo. So after David, I'm sure it was like, hey, let's get bright and sunny. Well, I, look, I'm a happy guy. I'm a positive thinking person. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just like, uh, and so, you know, I go in and I audition for the casting director and, and that goes fine. And, and and I get a call back and then I go in with some producers. Then I get called back again and go in with Joss. And then the, the so the, this is all taking a month. And so at this point, I start watching the first couple of seasons uh-huh, uh-huh. and I'm like, you know, I'm rolling my eyes because. I'm like, okay, Buffy, like, uh, you know, the title and all this other stuff. Then you start watching them, like, looking over my shoulder. I'm like, this shit's good. <laughs> anybody seeing me enjoy this? Um, and uh, and it's like, like, and so during the process of auditioning, it becomes like the guilty pleasure, and which obviously feeds like, wow, I really want it. And, mm-hmm. and, 
again, on paper, it's like as an actor to jump onto a show that's already a hit and it's already established and has a fan base, like that's a great gig. You know, mm -hmm. you're not waiting on, does a pilot get picked up? You're not, you know. Um, and so the last, so that was, I guess, three, three rounds. And then they brought two of us in to test with Sarah, to do a mm. chemistry read with Sarah. The night before I'm playing basketball, I get undercut. I throw out my back. It's never <gasps> happened in my life. I have no idea. I can't walk. I can't put on socks. And I go into this audition in like Adidas slides, shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> and this is all like, at the end of the day, it's like, yes, it's a chemistry read. But I think it's also like who's starstruck, who's not, who can be, with, mm -hmm. be around Sarah. Mm -hmm. I mean, half the people I played mm -hmm. in basketball in college are professional athletes and like superstars. And I could give a mm -hmm. flying fuck who mm -hmm. is who and the act. I, I, it doesn't matter to me at all. I literally like I put my feet on the floor. I put my back against the wall. I do the scene. I'm horrible. And I literally say, I'm so sorry for wasting everybody's time. Good luck with the show. I've become a fan in the process. See you later. And I walked out. I, I, it was like there was no version of me getting that job. Yeah. I was terrible. And like it was all like who can get close to her? What's the you know, that's the tone of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that right. dramatic love thing. There was none of that going on. Wow. And um <laughs> and in true like amazing story doesn't happen in Hollywood fashion. My phone rings and it's Joss. And he said, I know you the guy because I've seen you do it what's going on? When's this going to be better? Mike's never happened for, I don't know, two weeks. I don't know. He's all right. Sarah's going on vacation for two weeks. And when you're better, you call me and we're going to do it again. And he gave Whoa. me a second chance. Wow. And so you just audition again. Yeah, that doesn't happen in this town very often. I'll always be grateful for that. You know, wow. like, and, and so, you know, you, this is a one and done town. You get your shot and you fuck it up. You're, you're not going back. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so I went back in and I went great and I got the job. And so that was kind of how the, how the getting the job thing happened, you know? We hear so many stories. We've talked to several at this point of the cast members mm -hmm. and so many people talk about how the energy on set was so wonderful and that a lot of it was like top down, like hearing the story about Joss being like, you know what, actually, like, let's let's bring you back um, mm -hmm. checks with all the other things that we've heard from so many people. So I wonder what your experience was like just generally on set. Um, well, again, it was like it was like I think I think what he saw in me was just like a raw talent and the energy that he wanted to have for Riley. And I was not trained in form that granted I moved out here and I was taking classes immediately and I, I tried to immerse myself like I did as an athlete and, and, but you just didn't kind of know what you were going to get. And they were so patient with me. Like I always, at that point I had no control of the craft. So it was like one out of four, you're, they're going to, I'm going to give mm. you what you want. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people that I loved being a freshman and sucking at something because I, I like to get better and mm -hmm. it doesn't bother me. I don't have a confidence problem in my life. It's just like, I feel like I'm, and I, I got no problem failing mm -hmm. um, and, and learning on the go and Sarah and Joss, especially, because that's who I had obviously the bulk of my sure. material with were so patient. And I think that that's what was the beauty of how he cast the show. I think all of those people were so similar to the role. And, you know, in these big ensembles, you're putting personalities together. Mm -hmm. and like the running thing on TV, especially back then. Now things have changed a little bit with how cable and streaming and how that's changed the world a little bit. But back then, it's like you kind of cast a personality. And you put those pieces together. And, and, and they just did that so perfectly. And they were, they were, it's like, Look, it's a bunch of kids with money, and 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 so, and I'm coming on to a hit show already, and mm. that could have easily gone another direction. And um, but Tony and Nick, I mean, everyone was amazing to me, and and it was we had a we had a great time. And even though I saw I could see Sarah's frustrations and me not being able, I, I, I get it. Like I totally get it. I wasn't good yet, 
And not that I got fucking trophies on my mantle now, but I, I, I have at least have control. Yeah. And, and so it's, you know, it was this push and pull because I wanted to be as good, as bad as she wanted to me to be good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and you know what I mean? And I just, I have, it's made me have so much compassion when I see a green actor on set now, because mm -hmm. I remember those, those sweats and you know, those feelings of, it's just like, okay. And it's like, you, you know, all my mistakes are on camera and I like, that was my film school right there, you know? Yeah. I'm just curious. You said you were playing basketball. You were just out of business school or you were going to business? No, school? I was, I had a scholarship to law school. To law school. So then yeah. how did this, like, uh, it was really an accident. Like it was just one of these things that, you know, I, I, I tried to be a part my senior year. I tried to be a part of a, of like our university, one of the, one of the plays at school, we'll just have a couple of lines, but it's like, we're off to play Duke or Carolina. And then I, I couldn't even do it one time. Like it was just one of those things where mm -hmm. I thought maybe it'll always be that, that hobby to replace basketball, like something else they'll do. But it's like, look, I'm from this little town in blue collar Pennsylvania that I always say it's like, it's that town right in between deer hunter and all the right moves. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's truthfully like that, yeah. that says it all right there. It's like, it's like, so if you say back then you want to be an actor, people are going to throw shit at you. Like I was on that imaginary path. You're supposed to be on back then. You'd be a doctor, mm -hmm. a lawyer, or a dentist. Like that's a giant mm -hmm. success. You, mm -hmm. go, you use your sport to get out of town. I had a full scholarship, athletic scholarship. I went to an amazing school in Wake Forest. And, and then had a scholarship, academic scholarships to go on to law school. And I had an opportunity to play professionally overseas, which I did and say, Hey, I got paid to play the game and, and see the world. And it was incredible. And I came back and I was getting ready to start law school. And at the time I felt like there was a gap in, you know, most athletes in college, you want to find a way to stay close to the game. So it's like, okay, what's next? You're going to be a coach. You're going to be a commentator. You're going to try to be an agent, whatever. Mm. And so I was, I was broadcasting some games for ESPN. My best friend was going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And at the time I felt like there wasn't, rep there wasn't a model out there representing athletes that could manage their money, do their endorsements and at the same time do their NBA deals. And so the, at the time, the two most marketed athletes in the world were Michael Jordan and Dale Earnhardt. And I don't remember even how I got a meeting with Dale Earnhardt, the senior. Uh -huh. He's since he's since had an accident and passed on the track. But um, he was, you know, something he was like making like three million a year on the track and fifty five off of it. Like it was, it was wow. incredible. Wow. And I start, I ended up, I went down there and I pitched him the idea. I was like, look, why are you just representing yourself? You have a relationship with every corporation in America. NASCAR was blowing up at the time. And so we started this agency business where I'd meet him at, like he sent his plane. We meet at racetracks and, you know, we were going, we registered with the NBA, the NFL, my best friend's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Like it was all kind of right here. And then I get a call from one of our sports information people at Wake Forest saying, Hey, they're shooting a movie in, in Charlotte. Um, where they need a white kid that can shoot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I led the ACC in three-point shooting. Like I, I'm like, all right, I'll go down and audition for a movie. I can tell my gay, see my kids one day and say, hey, your old man was in a movie once. <laughs> and show them, pull out some bad fucking VCR tape from 1996. And, and then the cliche happened. I went down and I caught the bug. And I was an extra. I, I had a line, like whatever. And I did, but I did it for six weeks before law school was getting ready to start. And... Um, I had enough encouragement. People say, you should pursue this. You should kind of mm. do it. And I ended up like right when it wrapped, I was like, come to New York. And I, I went to New York and in 12 hours, I, I had a commitment to be an agent. Like it was just like this wow. crazy accelerated thing that it's kind of like, it, it's like that ignorance is bliss thing. I, I, I wasn't fully, I, I not fully, I, I was zero training as an actor, like none. Mm -hmm. And I was good in a room and I was nice and I, I try hard and, and, you know, and I think people saw flashes of potential talent. And then the casting director who did that movie in, in North Carolina 
found out and he, he, also, he said a line to me on there forget he got my you know this is pre cell phone they're right right at, you know or like it was the, yeah. it was the you know the, the suitcase kind <laughs> and um and he called me at my home in pennsylvania at my parents house and he said hey i knew you had the look i didn't know you had the brains and chops to go with it i said i'm from pennsylvania chops are lamb report to me <laughs> and he said i want to fly you to la and so i flew out here and He's like, I want to work with you. I want to send you a couple of auditions. We'll see what happens. And my very first audition, I still have this script, was for Jerry Maguire for the football player that Jerry O'Connell played. Wow. Um, but I got I got close. I got up the process and the right amount of feedback. Oh He's God. like, the hell with New York, move out here. Mm-hmm. And my parents the whole time were like, what the fuck? Where's this coming from? What's happening? I'm like, hey, law schools aren't going to disappear. And uh, you know, and so that's kind of the long-winded, the long-winded story. So I, I moved out here and I got right off the off the bus. And again, I used basketball to help kind of get me the next thing. And mm-hmm. the very first thing I got was Pleasantville, um, which was honestly going to be the experience that either made it happen for me or I was going to move back east. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to be around like Reese Witherspoon and Joan Allen and Tobey Maguire and Jeff Daniels and these people and Gary Ross, the people that take it very seriously but have fun while they're doing it, because that's kind of my model of life. It's like, look, I'll work my ass off. You're not going to outwork me, but I'm going to have a good time doing it. And mm-hmm. if you're not that, then I'm, uh, I'm not interested. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a thing. And so, you know, you grow up you grow up where you, where we grow up. And if you have no, like, cousin or uncle in the business named Coppola or and w- whatever it is, <laughs> suddenly it's just like, you know, L.A. is just gangs, drugs, sunglasses, and red carpets. Like, yeah. that. that's really all it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't know the ins and outs of how it really works. And so I had a ma- an amazing first experience, and that kind of cemented, cemented it. So to call your parents and say, I'm walking away from Ian, ESPN, the business with Dale Earnhardt at, at law school, and I'm going to move out here to be an actor. They literally, it, it just got boiled down to like, good luck, have fun, don't ask for money. And, and, um, and maybe that's what it was. And then shortly thereafter, Buffy happens. And, I mean, I'm in class like four nights a week. Again, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm like now like it's a full it's a full court press of like, Hey, get good at this thing. You know, yeah. and I, and I was that guy I would pull like the acting coaches aside after a month. I'm like, listen, I'm not paying you. I'm not paying you to, to stroke me and say, Hey, you're amazing. I'm paying you to say, do you see a possibility? Whatever the it factor is, whatever mm-hmm. it is, like, if you don't see it, I'm moving the fuck home. Mm-hmm. I got another life. I have, I have other things that I can do. And so I need you to like bare bones. I need you to be dead fucking honest with me. If this is like a uphill battle mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, it's, I know I'm, I know I'm a, an easy paycheck, yeah. but I, I, that's not what this is about for me. And yeah. if you're not being honest with me, I'm fucking out of here. Do you recall like the main set of the initiative, mm-hmm. the government organization? Like the one underground, like oh, the, yes. like the drop down, yeah. An enormous pit yeah. full of tinfoil. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I often wonder when I look at that set now in this modern era, um, how it felt at the time. Because there are like, I feel like a lot of things on the show, like some CGI and some practical effects that like, age really well and some that don't and that the initiative set always like struck me as like whoa they just like made a hole and filled it with yeah. tinfoil but I'm wondering mm-hmm. if like being on the set uh, being in that space like did it feel like massive and impressive or did it feel oh, like yeah, always like it, it, it you know I always kind of use the example like I have a very blue collar, like meat and potatoes kind of dad. And like suddenly his like academic all-American son is a thespian wearing makeup for a living. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. man. And the first time he came out, like I, I really think he, we thought it was like eight or 10 people with some flashlights and a camera. And like, <laughs> then you don't see, you don't know the scope and the scale of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and I, I remember having that feeling myself when I saw that set. I'm like, holy hell. 
Like, again, it's just so impressive. And again, they had such a, an amazing creative team from oh, the yeah. makeup and hair department, to, I mean, to wardrobe, like everybody was like at the top of their games for those things. And so, yeah, you walk in there and it's funny because in this day and age of blue screen and, all, you know, all these other things, like it's so challenging for an actor sometimes, like you have 10 feet of set and then a box of blue around mm -hmm. you. And you don't get a sense of the world and those feelings. And it's like you hear all those actor cliches and how much the wardrobe and the makeup and the space helps inform a situation and mm -hmm. a character. And you're and like, and it's so true. Like you get all, you know, you we got down and we're doing all that stuff. And it was, it was pretty impressive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Coming to the show, like as an athlete, right? Um, it seems like a lot of the guys on the show are relatively involved in like stunt work yeah. and gags and stuff. Is that something that like you were excited about, something that you like really wanted to get into? It was. And and again, based on some of the things I've already said, it's it was where I was most comfortable. Yeah. On yeah. the show. And so I, you know, don't ask some of the stunt team because I decked a few people on my time there. <laughs> um, the first big fight scene was Sarah Santa. So yeah. Um, so sweet in this in this like giant, like we have this like I don't know, you guys remember better than I, but like, I, I just remember like there's this like whole hallway and it's all like smoke and fog and we have night vision goggles oh, yeah, on, yeah. which are not real night vision goggles. They are props <laughs> that you cannot see shit out oh, of. No. And they got all this fog and here comes a stunt, you know, and we have this little fight scene. She jacks me up against the wall and I just remember I'm supposed to like give her an uppercut. Well, I do. Well, you know, one of these things, like I have no spatial awareness uh -huh. of where these things are. And I'm not a fight. I've never been in a fist fight in my life. But so it's not like, well, you're a boxer. You're used to hitting people. I'm like, well, no, I'm not. Yeah. And I'll just remember like doing an uppercut. My, man, my fist missed her, but my elbow hit her right in the fucking forehead. Oh, oh no. no. And I felt so bad. And then she's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And then my ego got in the way. I'm like, what do you mean you're good? I just fucking hit you. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, and, and, um, but it was, it was like, I just remember that was one of the few, not few, only, that was the single only place where I felt like I could contribute creatively mm. and, mm. And actually, like, look, Joss, like, it was a word-perfect show. Like, he made every decision went through Joss. Like, let, let's face it. And early on, yeah, I think we, we joked about this before we started, but it was like, mm. early on, you know, I'm, I'm hanging the sign and, and, <laughs> and the joke. Yeah, the lesbian The sign. lesbian sign. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, and I'm up on a ladder and, you know, she's like, you got something to tell me. And it's just one of these few lines I truly remember on the show. And I'm like, yes. I am a lesbian. And they're like, Mark, 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 cut, Mark, come here. And they get, they're like, it's, I am a lesbian? I'm like, oh. It's wow. Yeah. And that, contraction. Was the, that was the level of word perfect on the show. Wow. Contractions too. Wow. And yeah, exactly. And so for like a untrained actor, it was an amazing experience in, in training because yeah. I, I was like, wow, I got to learn this shit like spot on. But for the stunts, because I was not, I didn't, I wasn't in theater school. I, I was that. So it's like, mm -hmm. I, my joke is like, look, compared to professional athletes, I'm a slug. Compared to actors, I'm a phenomenal fucking actor. <laughs> and, so, and, and so like, I was like, hey, what about in the fight scene? Like, boom. It's like, there was one where I think that like, 
you know, I hit and like, there's a stake that drops. I'm like, look, as it drops, what if I just grab it? They're like, can you catch it? I'm like, yeah, I can catch it. Just fucking pan the camera down. <laughs> and like, like that stuff, I had so much comfortability and confidence in mm -hmm. that I could, I could contribute to the choreography or it's like, Hey, I can do this. Or like, you want me to dunk it? You want me to do like whatever it, it kind of is. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, so that was, that was a, an extremely enjoyable part of the show for me. To your ego, mm -hmm. um, I had the chance to sit down with Sophia Crawford. Oh, you did? And she's so a fucking sweet. badass. So oh, she's a total badass. It does badass. not surprise me. I think she could get clocked uh, by anyone and keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I, guess that's good to, I guess that's good to hear. I, I, just, I just retold the story for the first time in 20 years, and I have to say, I still stung a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, we've talked a lot about basketball because that is uh, very clearly a, yeah. a huge root for you, a huge part of your, your history, and probably it's still your life so was riley a character who was going to be um a basketball player or did they bring that into the i don't think so like I, that's the beauty of television yeah. i mean it's just like you know mm -hmm. in this long form that we have you know these storytellers have 10 or 20 hours to tell their story sure. instead of just two like that is one of the primary advantages of a, of a of a network show where you can get to know your actors and you'd be like, wow, Nick has great comic timing. Let's keep playing up mm -hmm. his comedy or, hey, well, fucking Beluga's a basketball player. Let's write in stuff to do it, you know, because they start to know that special skills yeah. section of your resume and can write to it. It's like, oh, that person juggles. Fucking write a juggling scene. Right, and right. so it can go, it can roll with what you're, what, the, with, what the writers and creators are learning as they go about the people. Sure. And you said something about like seven episodes, like Joss being like, just stay, like mm -hmm. just chill in the background for like seven episodes or whatever did you know that riley was going to be a full season character like a full arc at the start um i'm trying to remember because you know joss is so close to the vest and this was before mm. the day of us all signing non-disclosures and posting <laughs> things on the internet but <laughs> it was still kind of a like he told me what i needed to know kind yeah. of a need to know mm. basis like I, re I do remember there was one line that was like i just didn't understand I have no idea what it is. I'm like, hey, mm -hmm. Josh. And I just remember asking him, I was, like, I was like, Josh, what does this mean? Like, this is weird. Can we change this? He goes, you know what? It's just a setup for like two seasons later. You know, which one, <laughs> wow. he's brilliant enough that that could be true. Yeah. Or I was dumb enough. It could have been just like, shut the fuck up and say what I wrote. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the truth is on that. But, um, you know, he was such an amazing setup payoff writer that it could have been uh, the a truthful yeah. answer that it was a two season later yeah. kind, of, kind of setup. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of yeah. things that truly are, uh, and it's right. remarkable. Yeah. I want to talk to you about um, the character of Forrest. There's a lot of conversation, especially in our discussion of season four and the initiative of the relationship between Forrest and Riley. And the fact that a lot of people feel like Forrest has more than just friendship feelings towards Riley. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 They are. That's a conversation. Often yeah. shipped. Very uh, shipped, very shipped, and there's okay, a lot my of ego's like, recovering from the whole <laughs> Sophie fight the stunt fight scene thing. Okay, really, he was into me. Yeah, yeah oh, well, nice. That's, there's <laughs> a lot of like speculation because Forrest is so kind of like uh, protective slash seemingly like a little possessive of Riley when it comes to like Buffy taking up more and more of his time. Where and it's sort of like a Slayer versus Initiative thing, like mm -hmm. a military family yeah. versus outsiders and his thing. was like Lilac One or something. Now you're you're saying that. Oh, I'm yeah. trying to think. Like, it yeah, was well, Lilac One. Was, I know. Or was that like, me? Was it written know. in right. or was it just something that happened on set? But it sounds like from your re reaction that that wasn't even something on your radar. Uh, no. And again, I was not privy to any kind of like, here's our theme for the show. And mm -hmm. here is right, where right. these characters and relationships where we wanted to go it's just not shared that way right. i never felt that look like leonard bailey chase and i had 
we were three 25 or whatever year olds in Hollywood on a hit show, like shooting guns, beating people up. Like it, it was pretty fun. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and those guys were both dreaming of acting, I think, for a long time. And so I was able to, you know, again, I was surrounded by really good actors. And so it was an opportunity to learn in that regard. But it was also comforting, too, because here was a lot of guys in Bailey. I, Bailey was an athlete. And, mm -hmm. and so we had that kind of commonality as well but it's funny you uh, it's funny you say that because i've never i've never heard it i've never thought it i've never heard it i've never thought it but i'm running with that yeah. <laughs> that fucking dude was into me <laughs> oh, so um speaking of chemistry um, definitely we want to hear about your time with sarah michelle geller oh yeah so. of like a good solid foot of height difference yeah uh were there like on the X-Files, Julian Anderson and David Duchovny, pretty disparate heights. And they had, they used something that they started just calling a scully box, I think, on set, which was just like a little like apple crate or something that right. she would stand on when they yeah. were doing close-ups because otherwise she would... Same. Yeah, too, yeah, it's too small. Look, I probably haven't seen any any work I've done in the past 12 or 15 years. And I probably have PTSD from Buffy because I'd watch it and think I was fucking horrible. And I, I would I, I would just, I'm too critical of myself. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is a mistake. And But I do remember thinking like when they would like turn around behind Sarah to do my coverage and just see this, her head and me like slouching and looking down. It looked like I was telling my daughter to look both ways before we crossed the street. Because <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I'm massive next to this girl. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, it's been funny. I've lied about my height my entire life as a basketball player. I was always a couple inches taller. Now as an actor, I'm a few inches shorter. <laughs> um, but yeah, they had a, you know, uh, she was obviously always on an Apple box. And when you go through these wide walk-in talks, you see the huge gap difference. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, we would have these walk-in talks through the cemetery or whatever we are outdoors. And so the crew would have to build this run of apple boxes. Oh my God, are you serious? Like, you know, it, it had to be 30 feet long so they could get us both in the frame. Well then at the end of that, I always, you know, it's funny, it's, it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to do this in a podcast and not see it visually. But, you know, at the end of the walk-in talk, we have to exit camera. Well, Sarah can't step off of it. You're going to see her head go down. So I got to do this weird Charlie Chaplin. I got to step over the apple boxes without my head going up oh and like to exit off of camera to walk over it. So we'd be like, hey, we do this walk and talk. Be like, all right, guys, it's going to be about 20 minutes. We got to make the apple box run. And like, and then Sarah had, you know, she only had like a 12 or 14 inch wide area to stay on, on this whole wow. walk and talk. So her challenge was bigger than mine until oh, wow. the end when I had to cross <laughs> over to not look like I was stepping up over some giant rock. Oh my God. Um, We're going to have to yeah. go find one of those now. Yeah. So you, that we you'll, can, yeah. You'll yeah. kind of, you'll kind of see. And, yes, you know, yes, yes. And then, you know, on the, and then on the, on the, um, <clears throat> sex scenes side of that story <laughs> yeah. you know to this day i keep saying guys this shoulder's blocked a lot of light and it's just like i'll be like all right mark you're on top of sarah and did it i'm like sarah are you okay and i'm so hypersensitive i'm i'm like look i'm a giant guy it's like are you okay like yeah like they're like all right move over mark your shoulder i'm like okay but you know and like oh well, bad no get the knee out of there and it's like okay here and then we're and then we're you're in the most uncomfortable position you look over and it's like alan paul like the camera department like but you know my buddies that i'm, I'm kind of in touch with still and you know, and you're the boom, Kevin, and like all these guys. And I'm like, like, and they're like, they're like, all right, and love her. I'm like, I can't. I'm really uncomfortable. Her. My shoulder is in a, I don't do yoga. And I'm looking at my buddies here at the camera department, like smirking at me. And it's like, it just never fails. Uh, you're like, you got 12 people within seven feet of you. And I'm crushing this little girl underneath me. And we're supposed to be like lost in each other's eyes. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, we imagined that there would be some difficulty with with everything, but certainly yeah. with like even like kissing, you know, like even before the sex scenes, just right. like the kissing alone. It's like the difference. Yeah. In... I learned how to slouch on that show. Yeah. yeah my chiropractor didn't like <laughs> yeah. that show. Yeah. So there's today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The scene in, I think it's Where the Wild Things Are, is that the name yeah, of the Yeah, Where the Wild Things Are, which you may you may faintly recall as the episode where you and Buffy are in a, uh, you just stay in your room and have sex for the, the entire oh, episode. The fu- there's the fu- a the sexual fu- fu- fest episode. haunting. Yeah, yeah sex, that, that, haunting. I know that, that, like, there's one we don't talk. I know we fuck all the time in one. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you just like, some of these will, some of these will yes, spark. Yes, those are two, the two some, on our list. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Of those, some of these will spark a memory. Yeah. But there's a scene in that where part of the sex scene is you slowly taking off one of Sarah Michelle Gellar's boots uh, or Riley taking off one of Buffy's mm. boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just wondered if you had any recollection I of don't. that. It is just all such an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, well, I guarantee sure, it you it wasn't choice. mine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll have yeah, to wait. I, we'll have to wait for Josh. A, I'm not a foot one. fetish guy. But yeah. B, but B, this, you know, that was all scripted. There was no <laughs> right, improvising right, anything right. there. And so I you guess, know. I guess if you're writing a, uh, 
episode of television where people have sex six times, you're like, by four, you got to start coming up with some different <laughs> shit. And it obviously worked because you guys, 20 years later, you're asking me a about question it. about it. Oh, right. yes, totally. Right. Okay. Oh, so you mentioned the episode where you don't talk, which is Hush. Yeah. Um, and that is an episode on our list to ask you about because we imagined that for everyone involved in the production of that episode, it was a very different experience. So do you have any yeah. memories from that, that? You know, that was one of the few times that I was able to step outside of that show and say, this is an honor to be a part of. Because, you know, look, 20 years later, like my memory, people say, hey, what was it like on Buffy? And I would say, look, it was amazing. And every actor wants to be a part of a cult iconic show. If you have one in your career that it's a it's a show that stands the test of time, you want to be a mm -hmm. part of those things. But the reality is, is I wish I was mature enough and a good enough actor at the time that I could recognize the material in the moment for being as good as it was and the opportunity what it was. I was too green. I was too distracted. I, I, it, it, there was too many other things in play that I couldn't recognize it. But mm -hmm. for Hush, it was like, I read this, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be one of those amazing things to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And... You know, and we had a ball doing it. It's like, you know, it's like not cracking a joke or laughing at church or a funeral or something. It's funnier because you're not allowed to talk and make noise. <laughs> and so it was a fun shoot to do, mm -hmm. even though we were all trying to figure out the best way to communicate yeah. it when you kind of couldn't. And there's scripted like that was one of those moments. I do remember a specific scene where she's like, you're going to stake him. And she gives the jerk yeah, off yeah, yeah, maneuver yeah. and we're all cracking up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so, yeah, that was one of those ones. Like, even then I could say this is like, wow, like this is amazing. Mm -hmm. One, they're allowing this guy to do this and write yeah, this yeah. kind of episode, but it it, yeah. it, it, it it was just it shows you how much they trusted him and how amazing he was and how big of a hit the show was that they could take those kind of chances, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we have um, gotten so many emails from people who listen to our podcast who have been fans of the show for a long time. And they send us, you have been the subject of more emails from fans who have met you, have run into you on the street, on the set or whatever. And every story is more remarkable than the next of how kind and wonderful you are Ooh, um, to nice. all these fans, notably, and, and this is, I think, related to Hush, um, but somebody just wrote into us that um, she was your first set visitor ever. I think she was 12 or something at the time. And you invited her to set and like read lines with her and, you know, had like a signed poster for her. And it just seems like your general presence as a human on this earth is very impactful to a lot of people who have run into you. Um, and so, I don't know, we just wanted to talk you about that. You made me cry, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's really remarkable. And um, I don't know, we would love to hear about like some of your experiences with the fans and also just how are you so nice? You, um, seriously, like you're, you fucked me up just now. <laughs> um, listen, I, I don't care what people think of me as an actor. I care what people think of me as a human being. And it's somewhat disappointing and somewhat laughable that we're not having the opposite conversation is like, why aren't, why aren't you nice? Like, it's mm. almost embarrassing that you're having to ask that it gets called out. Mm. And I truly just don't understand that. We control one thing in our life and that's our character and that's it. Mm -hmm. We control nothing else. And I, I just don't understand. And, and it's I'm not patting myself on the back, but I hear it more than I should. Fuck, I'm a nice guy. I'm not that nice, <laughs> I, you know, but I, okay, I'm a nice guy. That's, that's great to hear. And I, I thank you for sharing the story with me and communicating that that's, that that's the case. And that's, that's really what matters the most. And I, I every time I hear it, I'm just so surprised by, because the stories, they're not that amazing. Mm. Like, so I read a few fucking sentences with a kid, like, that's not an amazing thing. I didn't go out and like make a point of like doing some, you know, 
great huge movement in, in where I'm changing the world or I'm changing anything. It's just like, I, 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 it's just really surprising to me that everyday kindnesses are as simple as asking about another person. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> guys, that's the, that's human decency. That's, that has nothing to do with anything else. And, and I, and I guess the other part of that is, is I don't take myself seriously and I could give a fuck. I don't look at myself as a celebrity. I, I don't, I don't play that game. I don't do social media. I don't pay attention. To I'm not in self-promotion. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't deal with mirrors. I don't like, I, mm-hmm. I, I really don't mm-hmm. care about any of this yeah. other than I love what I do mm-hmm. and I want to be good at it. Like that I care about, but all this other stuff, like, and I make I shelter my kids from it. They haven't seen me on TV. If I see someone coming at me at the grocery store, I'm like, hey, go pick out. Go, hey guys, go pick out. Go pick out some cereal. I don't want them to see it. Mm-hmm. People are treating me differently. I've done nothing to deserve in their eyes to see like, hey, they, why do they treat my dad differently? Why do they want pictures with him? Mm. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids exposed to that. Yeah. They have a lot of time to figure that out later. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever. We're we're just like right now. It's like I don't mean to be on a high horse, but we're so obsessed with fame, and it's just like. I don't know. It's, I, I just don't. I just don't subscribe. To, I live on a farm in Pennsylvania. I don't want to be in it. I want to be around it. I'm a homebody. Like I come in, I do my work. I'm a kind human being, and I help mm-hmm. people out. And I think that that's what everybody should do. And yeah. when it gets called out for what we do, and I'm like, what? Right. It should. It shouldn't. Why are we having such? A, why are we having a pedestal? Why are we having a difference in 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 like like some hall pass for artists being assholes? And I don't. I don't. Yeah. I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't be. But it also, I don't know, to your point of like, well, I'm not doing this like big giant thing. I think sometimes small acts of kindness are. Well, no, they're, they're the best kind. Yeah. I, I'm a, I, I, look, it's it, I'm a firm believer in a, in a grassroots approach to change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 mm-hmm. a lot easier to impact a few youthful minds and let that start to perk and grow and, and, and accumulate from that as opposed to like just hitting a home run. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's working, it's working your way up. It's, you know, to quote unquote, starting small, um, to, uh, to do it. And if, and if those things do it, like I've had those influences and impactful moments in my life. And that's why I got, I, I truly, I, I'm not, it's, it wasn't false. Like I truly got choked up by, by you saying that and repeating it. Cause that's really all that matters to me. And to hear that mm-hmm. is great and, and, and means a lot, but I, I have had that happen where someone will grab me and it's like, Hey, I just wanted you to know and like shared a compliment mm-hmm. or me. It's something I would have never known, like mm-hmm. a story I would have never known behind my back. And so it's like, you just make a point of doing that for people. And I, it would just kind of be a better place. I think yeah. <laughs> we just subscribe to some simple little things like that. Yeah. You know? We're both with you on that yeah. big time. Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for saying it. Yeah, I want to say something that maybe you don't. I, you, I can tell by the way that you're talking, and you're like, "Well, am I acting this? Am I acting that?" That you're not saying it for any reason, except for this is just like your perception. But a lot of the the conversations around Riley have it's not about uh, the the performance; it's about the character. Oh no, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it's on both sides. I'm I'm just speaking my truth, which right. was like I was so green and didn't know what I was doing. Like I'm just saying that, like. I'm sure the fan, uh, much of the conversation is just like positioning and story and love affair and who's where I, exactly. right, like, right, I, mean, right. I get it. I'm not, it. it's not insecure. It's not it coming totally. from a place of like I'm backpedaling or apologizing for it. It was the time of my life. It's kind of what it, it, what it was. And I don't know all these conversations other than what I've had a few people tell me. Right. I don't, tr- I don't get online. I, I took his advice. 
Yeah. I, I didn't do yeah, and I, yeah. I'm not one to live in the past. I, I mean, is, I, if I was going to do go back and look at anything, it'd be like old high school basketball tapes where I was like, <laughs> man. <laughs> and, and certainly not episodes where I hit a stunt double and she didn't even get hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you think that there's any like connection between people's um, struggle to sort of accept like the nice boyfriend uh, in the case of Riley with some of what we've been talking about? Because hmm. somebody wrote into us, because you you come back in season six um, mm-hmm. for an episode, and you're married, um, right. and you've got, you've gotten married to a character Sam? named Sam, um, and somebody wrote into us to ask, basically, like, do you think that that your pairing with Sam was better than with Buffy? Like, do you think that you and Buffy, I say you, do you yep. think that no, Riley and Buffy had um, a good relationship? I do. I think they obviously had some baggage and obstacles that kind of got in the way, but. Look, I, I've, I always make the analogy, like, it, you know, if feelings were a light switch, this shit would be really easy. And it's just <laughs> not. And who looks right on paper? It's just like, look, my first love in my life, and she dumped me, and her name's Alyssa Jenner Olive, she lives in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, 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 and we're still really good friends, and so it's fine. We're both married with kids, it's fine. But it was just like, on paper, I was, we were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what you, you think. But it just like, it, 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 it you're, if you're being truthful to yourself, it's like, look, our, what are our decision makers for us? Our head, our heart, and our gut. You check in with all three and see where you're at. And if one's not working, it's not the right thing, even though you're like, fuck, this is supposed to be the right thing. And right, on paper, right, you're right, the right, right person. And I think that, I think that's, I think it was opposite. If I'm going to sit and analyze it, which I've never done, <laughs> you're, you're asking me. <laughs> it's just like, if I sit and analyze it and I'm thinking about it, it's like, I think Buffy probably knew on paper I was who I, I, you're supposed to be with. Right. And I think the opposite is true for Riley. Here's someone who like emotionally fucked him up and he's never had that before. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my God, like this is a crazy feeling and, and it's an intense. And th- that didn't work because they were, they were coming from it from two different places yeah. that way. And, and so that is probably my That's very-, <laughs> very quick takeaway from it. But I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's what we have been talking about for, for some time when we talk about this, of like, where were they coming from and where is the mist? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're like, God, that was, yeah, that was really good. I mean, I guess, you know, you <laughs> did play Riley, so you had a, a leg yeah, up I on guess you yeah, would know. I haven't thought about Riley in a long time. <laughs> like, like, like I said. Oh. So we've talked a lot about like Riley as good boyfriend, Riley as nice character, but Riley takes a turn before he leaves um, yeah. that's pretty dark. Uh, and so I wonder if you remember any of that arc uh, and how you felt about it. I do, yeah. You know, one, again, you, you tip your hat to people who come up with stories that are, are, that are full and three-dimensional and travel mm-hmm. and you, you don't stay the same the whole time. Every actor wants that. Like, what's, you know, what's the, what's the travel that you do? And so it only makes sense that the poster child goes into, you know, that kind of dark, place mm-hmm. um and that was my memory of it was that was the first time i wasn't playing mark blucas in camera mm. and so that was ah. a really cool thing for me to act um i was doing like scene study classes where i was trying to create characters which i didn't know how to do yet and and oh. do it but it was just like okay how how do i how do i for the first time because again i didn't have that fucking training like how am i gonna be someone that's not me that, wow. I, that mark lucas wouldn't do like i wouldn't make those choices and so it's all you know look it's all relative but it's just i do remember doing one of these one of those scenes and like a handful of the crew you know kind of clapping and helping me like at the end of it and 
and tipping their hat to me. And I think it was, I think they saw it too. It's like, look, here's a kid who's trying his ass off and he's okay. And he's working really hard. And this was something different from him and he got through it. And whether it was good or bad, it didn't matter. It's like, again, it was just one of those moments in life where you get the right amount of encouragement at the right time to kind of do it. And so my memory is, is a personal one Mm -hmm. because of what it kind of made me stretch and do in the moment, as well as at that point in the show, I had a handful of friendships around that were supportive and encouraging. And so it was a, it was just that arc in time period for me was memorable for those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. You can. I would just think it would be like really fun. And maybe as you say, like, this isn't like part of your, the way it's like logged in your brain, but I would think it would be really fun to like get pivot from all it like being the sort of like solid reliable oh. good supportive whatever to get to sort of like twist your mustache to be, a little oh, bit totally like, like, the, the, like look even to this day to be cast against type it's like what i'm an ex-con full of tattoos who smokes <laughs> shaved head. i'm like i was checking the mail like seven times a day in that movie like, I, you know, I was like this is awesome um so yeah it's like it, it is fun to do though every actor wants those moments to be cast against type or have mm-hmm. those or relishes that part of the story when it kind of gets there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because you can kind of do those things and, and be different, you know? Is there a character, and this actually is a listener question, um, Holly, uh, our listener, wrote in to ask, if there was another Buffyverse character that you would want to play? Um, I, I think the answer for so many people is probably Spike because James was so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a well-written role, mm-hmm. but he was such a phenomenal actor and so good in it and was able to bring edge and humor and depth and, and so much. To, I loved working. I loved working with him. He was such a, he's, <laughs> he was so and so most people probably say that for a lot of the reasons we just talked about. Like, right, hey, right. he's like different and crazy and he's fucking yeah. 400 years old or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and, and he gets to do like, you get to do the ridiculous every day. Right. Um, and so that would be it. But that said, I didn't then, nor do I now have the capability to play Spike. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's but a pipe dream. <laughs> so you got to work with. Uh, nearly every core um, actor on that mm-hmm. set that was yeah. there. Um, so do you have any fun, you know, behind the scenes stories? I mean, you worked with, you said Tony Head, you worked yeah. um, with James. And I ran into Tony. I did my first con two years ago. And let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah, Like how please. ridiculous. Like in the, in, the, in the days we were shooting that show, if you were doing cons, you're like, oh, career's in the toilet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now it's like people, ask, hey, you do cons, right? Like yeah. you're going, right? Like it's a part of like the, you know, yeah, it's a yeah. part yeah, of it's what's huge. required of what we do almost, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I, ra- I, I ran into Tony, like the first one that I had ever, I had ever done. And we had a ball just <laughs> reminiscing and he's such a good man and, and a good actor. And again, another one of those mentorish type persons for mm. me on that, on that show. Um, like, again, the actors were great and super patient and I didn't know Hollywood hierarchy and I didn't know any of that shit. Like they yelled cut and everybody went back to the trailers and mm-hmm. I hung out with the crew. Like, Mm-hmm. And so I saw a lot of friends. I'm I'm in touch with the crew. <laughs> I mean, I see the actors and we're great. I ran into Sarah last year yeah. um, mm-hmm. on the street. Accidentally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Literally on the street. Wow. Was anyone yeah. else around? Because that would be <laughs> no, an incredible yeah, thing to witness. It was pretty funny. We sat and, you know, we could sat and get caught up for 15 minutes oh. or so. Because um, I did a movie with Freddie uh, oh. like that following year or oh, whatever. Wow. Um, so funny. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so it was fun to kind of catch up. Uh, you know, when we see when we see each other when it kind of happens, you know. Yeah. What was the con that you went to? Was it a Buffy specific con? No, it wasn't. Uh, 
I've done London, Paris, and Wales are the three that I've mm-hmm, done, mm-hmm. And all in the past like four years since like the twentieth or whatever, whatever that yeah. was, you know. Have you enjoyed the, that experience? Like, I have, you know, and and again, like I love the Q and A's. Like, it's like this forum that, like, that's yeah. fun because I get to meet other people and mm-hmm. and, and kind of and share that. And it's like walk down memory lane, and I'll tell people in advance, like, look, I'm probably not going to know eighty percent of the things you're right. saying. You're going <laughs> to quote me, and I'm going to be like, oh, sure. that's funny. And they're like, you said that in episode seventeen. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm not going to like, no, I'm not going to remember it all. But like, it's just fun to get to know people. And and so, Barto, I have two great stories, and if you want them, I'll give them to you. Oh, but like, one was like. Like one of the great things is because so much time has gone by now is that, you know, if if someone would have let their like nine year old or 10 year old watch it back when it aired, mm. you'd be like, yeah, maybe not the best content. But this day and age, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, like watching a Palm Olive commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like but it's so it was really it's really cool to see like so much of that crowd. It'd be like mom saying, hey, I was a huge fan. I've introduced I'm rewatching it again with my daughter. Yeah. Now. And that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's that's kind of really cool. And then in, in, in one of the ones in England, which is where I played my pro basketball, I'm there and this girl comes up to me. I mean, again, there, there's a line and you like try to, I try to give each person their, their time. I'm mm-hmm. not a like sign and go like click, leave, click, leave. Like, I, you know, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And, and so you try to give them and then and she's talking and she's like, I can tell she's trying to keep it together. And from an actor's (laughs) point of view, you know if you're keeping together because they're giddy and they're giant, like it's the other one pro Riley person in the world (laughs) or or it's something else. Like you just don't know. And she's like, you know, and, and you know how they sell these packages. Like, you know, it's like, hey, you have the the glossy picture package and the, you know, like different things. And so, hey, she's like, my best friend, was a giant fan of yours. Like we got these tickets three months ago and they mm-hmm. said you were coming. I know it's your first con and all these things. She got in a car accident and died. <gasps> we had these tickets and I'm like already like, oh my God. Like I'm floored by this, right? And she says, and I got her these tickets for her birthday and she's not here, but we got this package. Like when you see somebody that like you want to give the, picture and stuff too you just decide but here's the tickets and the money you know here here's the ticket for it oh, i'm like well no one's gonna fucking deserve that yeah. like no one's getting that tip picture like yeah. what are you talking about like yeah. that's a lot to do uh, and I, you know so I, i'm you know i'm talking oh my god i'm so sorry and thank you and I, i'm talking to this girl and like not 10 minutes later this girl comes up to me and says so and i mean she had to be 30 I mean, so she was fucking, what, she's fucking seven when Buffy ran, like started. (laughs) She said, you're not going to remember this, but when you lived here playing basketball, my dad worked at the arena you guys played basketball in, and you had signed a gum wrapper for his daughter, which was me. She pulls it out. Oh my God. She shows me my fucking signature and like, um, and I write it to her name and I'm like, Hey, remember to chase all your dreams. It's what I would always write. Remember to chase all your dreams and my signature. She, I'm like, keep your money. This lady just gave me this thing. Whoa. And it's just like, I was amazing. Like I had to retell it and I'm like, Oh, my. that to me is what makes the con. And, and there was, I think, two of them i had like an open mic with everybody mm. in the q and a's like we've done we mm. did one as a group and then one where they just let me talk i had i had stolen uh, one of the shirts riley wore in the initiative it was like <laughs> the green sweatshirt and i just always liked it i'm like oh i'm gonna fucking take this thing and, <laughs> um and and so i wore it for the speech oh my god 20 years later i still have this thing holy shit and uh 
And so I'm like, I'm really surprised no one's not recognized in the shirt because it was in it was the shirt in my picture, the headshot, the Riley picture oh that God. I was like doing. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so like, yeah, little stuff like that. And just as you probably know now, after after talking with me for an hour, like just kind of fucking with the fan and getting to know them a little bit and playing and joking around with them is kind of the best parts of those. Wow. Well, one of our questions was about if you had took anything from the set. So I guess. That- yeah, that is. If you would ask me that question, I'm like, no, I don't have anything. But, but you have that, that way, sweater. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty classic sweater. Um, Jenny dressed up as Riley last Halloween with that sweater. I mean, not the we original. Do, we do show costumes oh, every year. Awesome. We do, yeah. 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 Kids. Uh, that we got an just... eyebrow raise for the <laughs> listeners. You <laughs> did dress up like, what? what? <laughs> uh, right. You wear really high lifts. You put a giant pad in the back of your <laughs> yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> uh, I did like a million push-ups. Right, yeah. Oh, that's a question right. from a listener. Oh, yes. Um, um, oh, you don't have to no, tell us, but Sophie... Yeah. Wanted us to ask you how many push-ups you can do. Sophie the stunt double? Because I can do a million. <laughs> Listen, let's get really fucking clear right now. I can do a lot. It's definitely in the four figures. Um, you know, the honest answer is uh, with a lifetime of sports, my shoulder's a little messed up. Mm. And so... You know, the idea of sitting down and doing push-ups and getting a count, I'm not quite sure. We won't it, w- make it, w- you it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be many. Bef- they asked me this question before we started recording and I did 742. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, another really fun listener submitted questions are about your chickens. I guess Who knows have, how this person got all this what? intel about your do you chickens? Have chickens? Do you have some chickens? I do have chickens. You have 13 chickens at us and they said, "Do you uh, can you please ask Mark?" Mm, oh, it's that's an Instagram thing, I guess. Oh. I, that is, I do have pictures of the chickens. Uh-huh. I was, yeah, yeah. I, I, we yeah. didn't know about your chickens, but uh, Madeline does. Madeline, Madeline wanted to know if you yeah. have names for your 13 chickens. Well, we do. And, and that was that was probably a flock ago. Okay. Uh-huh. Because, you know, I don't, I'm not on Facebook or Twitter. Like, I don't do and, um, But I do have Instagram. And I think that, like, I don't know, you put some sentence describing yourself at the top. And, oh, is that your- and I think I, I wrote that I had, chi- I had chickens, but this uh-huh. was about seven years ago. So I think some of those. <laughs> have since passed. But yes, like our, we are not, there's no slaughtering going on in our fake farm. We have names for all of our animals. Oh. And it's, yeah, it's literally about the, the fresh eggs and everybody has a name and we kind of cycle. Like I think, I think, cause it's my wife and kids that, that kind of come up with this. Like, yeah. I want to hear this, some like, of the names of, of the, like, the farm Oh gosh, animals. we've had Henrietta. We've had, um, <laughs> Yes, we have some funny ones, and we have like one. One was like sneaky, and I wanted to call it Kaiser Sose. It was the one. <laughs> it was the one chicken I named. Um, yeah, and so Lola, but Lola got met a bad fate with a raccoon. Oh, um, oh. Yeah. damn those raccoons! Right. Such a menace. Such a menace. Respect. <laughs> I know. Well. We didn't. One thing that we didn't yeah. mention um, was, and again, this might fall outside of your memory capsule but Mm. um there's one particular episode you know when you came onto the show david had already gone uh gone on to the the spinoff angel series Mm. but there's an episode where he comes back to town and you guys kind of have this like really fantastic sort of like testosterone fueled pissing contest where you're (laughs) both neither one of you is your best selves and it's like really uh fun to kind of like watch that interplay do you remember anything about that episode or, or shooting that stuff you I, I i do remember a couple of things and, and david david was great i mean it was the only time i really even met him and talked to him and, and and did that and that was that was fun it was a couple of things stand out i remember reading it and again riley had been through a handful of things i guess at this point mm-hmm. we've done all this and i just remember going to the writers i'm like am i ever gonna win a fight they're like nope, <laughs> nope not gonna I'm like, oh my God, okay 
All right. Um, and I remember like not slouching. I do remember like, oh my God, I can look at him <laughs> you get in to the stand eye. Up. Like, stand up <laughs> this, this, this helps this chest puffing out male moment. My penis is larger than yours. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of like the movie Titanic. You go into that knowing the end. The boat's sinking. Right. Like, you know the end. And so how do you make it entertaining throughout? Like, I know I'm not winning this fight. Right. And how do you get little victories within? You get a few shots in and make it feel like it's a tie as best we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think I think David enjoyed probably the physical component of that show at that time, too. And we mm -hmm. both were able to, you know, do as much and as we could kind of with it and have fun of the silliness of me pulling gadgets and he'd be like I'm bigger faster stronger yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah this is my life as an athlete this is like, like PTSD I'm like why am I always this little slow so, yeah but that was yeah but again a, a fun well-crafted storytelling and a fun moment to kind of go and 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 play with yeah there's yeah, an incredible yeah. still from that episode of Buffy Sarah Michelle Geller sort of like standing in between both of you and it's <laughs> like, like these two foot giant towering guys. Guys. Yeah, um, and yet and yet the smallest is the strongest yeah yeah, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> um, yeah I mean the 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 feminism and um you know patriarchy smashing that happens in Buffy has been like a huge thing for us um as we've talked through the series um and so I wonder like you know have you gotten to work on sets where these things are at the core more as time has moved forward um because that show i mean it was in the 90s and right. it definitely was it shouldn't have been ahead of its time but it was a bit ahead of its time right, in a lot right. of ways no, of course it was yeah, yeah. Like, I, you think for a second i'm not a feminist i am and it's just like no one's more proud and behind this kind of way late evolution in storytelling mm -hmm. of of flipping things uh, you know on their on their head a little bit and looking at it from a different point of view and in, in doing and you look from every every group that has been, for lack of better terms, neglected and or just not been given the opportunity to be in front of the mics. The, to me, that's the, that's the best thing of all of the streaming and the platforms that are available because it was getting to a point where it's just like they were putting stories and crafting stories around trying to please everyone. It's like, here's our Latino actor, here's our African-American actor, here's our white actor, here's our female. Mm -hmm. And slowly it was like, here's a gay character. And here's like, and they, and they and try to put them all in one story. And to me, because they're trying to reach a certain number on a scale that makes it a success or whatever. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. now it's just changed so much where you can be highly specialized. And this is for this audience. And we can tell their stories and their voices and hope that that starts to, it's like what you were talking about before with this grassroots feeling of change and, and letting it be a part of mainstream mm -hmm. that it's not a double take anymore when you see two guys holding hands. It's mm -hmm. not a, it, like it, right, it, right. It, that just kind of slips into the into the mainstream and yeah. it's amazing because we're seeing female coaches in pro sports in mm. male dominated sports and yeah it's it's just such a it just like we're seeing pro athletes say they struggle with depression and anxiety and mm -hmm. like it's yeah. just a part of the conversation now as it should be and without getting political at some point we'll have a leader that is able to embrace encourage and help propel that as opposed to help driving a wedge and making sure there's still a faction that still exists that's yeah. against and make it about friction yeah. and mm -hmm. and not kind of inclusion yeah. and, and and so I, it's it's nice cuz hollywood does does always kind of lead that charge that way mm -hmm. and and so it's it's something i applaud obviously yeah, yeah. so what are you doing now 
begging like always <laughs> um, yeah um you know i dip my toe in back when i can i think every actor is going to sit and say it's like you know we're all trying to you, you try to be seen different ways you try to do different things like look at what seth green has done with mm. his writing and, and and danny strong holy hell yeah oh I yeah mean, <laughs> what the fuck danny yeah, yeah. um <laughs> You know, fuck you, Danny. If you're listening, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Um, but uh, I'm still taller. Um, and <laughs> that's the only thing that's bigger. His career, his bank account, everything else is larger. Um, his resume. Um, but um, but no, you always try. And so it's like, look, it's nice that I always compare things to a sports analogy. And so it's, it's one of those, the more positions you play in the game, you know, the more minutes you're going to get. And so I think that mm. we're all trying to be versions of storytellers and and as it, to to come full circle i think that i've finally gotten to a point where i found my voice and i have confidences that way and in, in contributions and a collaboration and what i'm truly paid to do and bring a bring a take of scene character and story to a thing i just i just finished a uh, i just finished a little movie in georgia that i got back from um that was with a terrific cast and a, and a really nice storytelling about a lot of the themes that we're talking about right mm-hmm. now um and again something you're proud of proud to be a part of and you hope that it finds an audience and a platform to say it and then i was doing a apple show at um that got shut down because someone got hurt no which was which was fun for me because not that they got hurt it was fun (laughs) backwards Um, (laughs) rewind the tape um it was a show that a nba basketball player named kevin durant started about his experience in aau basketball which is like the youth Mm. highly like corrupt and uh, awful world of recruiting young kids mm. and shepherding them through to the NBA basically. Wow. And and there's so much, there's such a microscope on the AU, the organization that kind of runs this and it's good and it's bad. It's creating opportunities, but there's a lot of shady characters involved. And so it was fun to dip my toe back into the basketball, the basketball world yeah. and, and start doing that show. But one of the, one of the actor, one of the lead actors, um, got injured and so they've shut it down we're, we're just trying to they're just trying to wait and see and make decisions are they gonna recast him wait for him to get better introduce a new character so they're kind of figuring some things out i think and so uh so that so that stopped but i was out here having some meetings for some for some other other things and so we'll we'll see what happens but at the end of the day that's a long-winded answer to say that i'm just begging (laughs) are you do you still play basketball you know i jokingly say that i only do it for money now (laughs) you know because again the right when writers find out about it they're like hey can we write a scene yeah 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 yeah." and like then they're like dunking you know i'm almost 50. like you want me to dunk like a 62 white kid and you want me you know you want me to go up there and try to dunk it like there there was a time but like um and so now it's like Again, like playing pickup basketball one, my body's deteriorated a little bit, but at the same time, you don't know who you're playing with. Then I get a job and I show mm. up with eight stitches because, you know, it's like, it's funny because you laugh. It's like, oh, your, your reputation is so nice. Like, I'm a competitive bastard <laughs> when it comes to that shit. And so it's like, I'm mature enough to turn it off into the last four minutes when it's a close game. Then I'm going to go for it. Then I'm going to be on crutches and have seven stitches. Be like, I'm ready for work. And they're like, what the hell? What, what happened to you? You know? Yeah. And so I, I kind of really only play. And I miss it. I miss the camaraderie and the mm-hmm. competitiveness. And yeah. I, I do I kind of do kind of miss that that time. Do your daughters play? I'm coaching them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they get grounded if they miss shots. I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah. I mean, they're super young. And so it just, you know, it's literally like, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of cringeworthy because they're so young that like the score is a soccer score. (laughs) The the basketball score, it's like four to two. You're like, oh my God. 
Somebody do something. <laughs> kind of like watching my acting on Buffy for the first year. Um, but but yeah, so they, they you know, they, we, I, I, I'm a firm believer in the value of team sports. You learn to win, you learn yeah. to lose, you learn that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. I, I think that mm-hmm. it offers an awful lot of things. And it's one of the few things that we can kind of equate. Like, hey, work hard, practice free throws, then you start making them. Wow, yeah. look at cause mm-hmm. and effect. You work hard at something, you get better at it. And mm-hmm. so much of this generation is kind of like, hey, I want to play guitar on Friday. And if you're not Taylor Swift by Monday, you quit. Yeah. And it's that reset generation, you know, that mentality is like, oh, I died, reset. Oh, I died, reset. And right. it's just like there's no grit and staying power. And mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the the beauty beautiful things of sports. Yeah. That can can they can kind of help. So hopefully they'll continue. We don't we don't push, we don't force. They don't that they don't have to it's their first year doing it. Like sure. if they want to do it, oh, they want to do it. They don't, they, yeah. That's great. Uh, so we'll see. Um well yeah. We cannot thank you enough. Oh, I can't thank you. It was a fun, fun to walk down memory lane. It wasn't, no one threw shit at me. I just want to say to the audience in here, like, these guys are very kind. Uh, Uh, This is a safe space for Riley. Uh, And the rumors are true. You're so nice. Thanks for being so nice. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we have a couple, we have a few more episodes uh, with you, although we'll probably be airing this right around the time that you fly away in that helicopter and you don't even know. You don't even know she's coming. You know, we were up there, Joss was in the helicopter with us and he had a little monitor and, <laughs> you know, we were up at like Santa Clarita, Valencia and up in the canyons up mm. there at nighttime. It is cold as hell. <sighs> and I remember getting that helicopter. I'm like, Joss, he's like, yeah, it's going to be fucking cold. <laughs> and the doors are open uh-huh. and he, I'm like, I can't really feel my face you know, at all. He's yeah. like, yeah, me, yeah, me either. And, and it, I mean, I do, I do remember kind of shooting that and he, he had to, but at the time he was trying to cue me like when to go, when to like be looking around, but like be able to turn away just at the same time Sarah was trying wow. to make an entrance. We were trying to logistically figure this oh out God. with the noise of a helicopter and like <laughs> sub-zero, what felt like sub-zero temperatures flying around. That's um, insane. That's insane. a fun thing to know that Joss yeah. is inside of that helicopter. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was in there. He was in there with me with a monitor doing, I, you know, I just got to do had a career run with helicopters here. I did that. <laughs> I did I did a movie, We Were Soldiers, where it was like a Vietnam War movie. We, we were in helicopters the whole time. Then mm. this summer I did Narcos, um, ah, which was amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I got to say, like, after like this past few years where I've been doing like network television, all the things like to be in a scene and tell people to go fuck themselves was a lot of fun. <laughs> For any of the listeners out there that actually sat through this whole two hours or whatever long it's been, you notice like I get away from my kids and it's like sailor locker room mouth all over again. It's like shaking up a Coke can. You know what I mean? It's like I get all set. I'm like, hey, guys, my motherfucker. Sorry, everyone. I just, I have kids and a wife. And it's just like, it's just, just got to get out. <laughs> We're happy to be that platform you for are, you. You yeah, guys yeah, are. Yeah. I hope yeah. it wasn't too offensive. No, no, uh, no. Yeah. We uh, we say fuck a lot on this yeah, podcast. Well, <laughs> you know, welcome here. Appropriate. Wow. Um, um, no, but thank you guys so much. You guys have been so you. sweet. Thank you for sharing the the story and to the fans that are listening. It's nice that everybody is still has. It's not surprising that it has this kind of connection, and it's emotional uh, to the yeah. show. And yeah. so you know the cliche, loved or hated, but never ignored, and that's that. Mm. And Riley, Riley was a integral part of mostly the hate part of that sentence but (laughs) also that's just good storytelling you know you're gonna have characters that impact people Mm. into the good or to the bad Mm -hmm. and that's why it stood the test of time you know and conversation starter to this day 20 plus years later yeah yeah Yeah, that's that's important so thank you no thank you guys oh my 
God. Wow. Jenny, how you feeling? How you doing? I'm feeling I'm flying high. Uh, I think that we should actually end this episode with the season four recap song that you made. If you're, if you're into <laughs> that idea. Hell yeah. Great. Before we get there, we just want to thank you, Mark, again for your time with us. Uh, it was really, really wonderful. Not only to get to spend time with you, but to get to like sit in the same room with you to get to measure your hand against Jenny's and all of that other yes. fun stuff. Uh, and thank you, Riley, for the time that you have spent with us in the series, uh, both for good and bad, for debate, for laughter, for taking boots off, for all of the things that you brought us uh, in your time. We thank you. Uh, and wow, we've done it. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yeah. Wow. See you next week where we meet with Trixie Mattel and Jenny loses her entire mind, just as Trixie does. They are both incredibly large fans of each other. So you're going to have a, a good lot. time. Yeah, It's a lot. It's a it's lot a for lot. you. Mark Blucas and then Trixie Mattel back to back. I can't handle it. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's roll on over and end this episode with the beautiful ode to Riley that Jenny wrote us back at the Hell end of yeah. season four. in season four and I hope in season five he does some more just because you hate him doesn't mean Buffy shouldn't date him Riley did a lot of push-ups in season four I bet you Riley's gonna wear some sweaters in season five his turtlenecks have been keeping me alive some folks say that he's a bore I just say that means there's more for me when Riley wears some sweaters in season five Give me those washboard abs, give me that nice wide smile I'll take that farm boy charm, that goes a country mile I can't get enough of emotional availability That's why I'm into Riley Riley, you're a very good boyfriend But the haters think you're the wonder bread of men Y'all, just cause he's not your type doesn't mean that he should die Jeez, Riley, you're a very good boyfriend Give me those washboard abs, give me that nice wide smile I'll take that farm boy charm, that goes a country mile I can't get enough of your healthy sense of responsibility That's why I'm into Riley what kind of monster wouldn't love a human golden retriever? Give me those washboard abs, give me that nice wide smile I'll take that farm boy charm, that goes a country mile And I just really love how you don't outage me by two centuries That's why I'm into Riley Riley, you can hold the door for me and also hold space for my emotional processing journey Anytime
Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read Podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.